The more generous we are, the more we win. It's a spiritual principle that will not be thwarted, that cannot be denied. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. You're not the only exception. Wisdom's begging you, don't you see? Are you living for the kingdom or living for self? Is God smarter than you or not? Are the ways of God right or are they wrong? Will you not bow the knee again in your life and understand that the Lord Jesus Christ means what he says, you cannot serve both God and money? Hi, listeners, and welcome back to Live in the Light. If you're just joining us, Live in the Light is a radio ministry designed to see radical transformation through the revelation of God's Word. That's our heart here even today as we continue to travel verse by amazing verse, the book of Malachi. One of the things that we've been learning so vividly, and I think so encouragingly, is that the book of Malachi really is a call from the heart of God for the hearts of his people. Today's passage takes us into Malachi chapter 3 and a message entitled, Will Man Rob God? Will Man Rob God? And a specific look at our hearts and money. God's word for his people today reminds us of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's dive into God's word together today and hear his heart for our hearts now. Is the command in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, does that apply to the New Covenant and the New Testament? You know what's funny about that question? When I've been in ministry now again for 15 years or so, it's, it's, it's amusing to me that when this question is asked, it's almost always asked from the preface of, now, do we have to tithe? But I don't think it's ever, I don't say ever, but rarely ever is it asked, do we have to tithe? Because I want to give more. I want to give more than that. Often it's asked by someone, do we have to tithe? Because they're hoping, like, tell me I can give less. Tell me I can give less. And that just shows you the reality and the sadness of where our hearts are often at. Pastor, find me a way to give less to God. Rarely is it, can I give more than that? And this is, this is part of the problem, isn't it? Our answer is clear though, okay? The Old Testament clearly presents a 10% tithe as the standards for God's people. The New Testament is not as clear or the commands are less prominent in terms of a percentage of giving. So the question really becomes this. Do you think in the New Testament and under the new covenant is the expectation to give less or more than the Old Testament? It's really the question that we have to ask ourselves. Let's answer it this way. As new covenant believers... Have we received more or less of God's grace and revelation and truth? Are we more debtors to God's grace or less? I heard it said this way too. Did Jesus tithe his life and blood for us? Or did he give us his all? So we believe here that the answer overall is very clear. We think the starting point, the starting principle, principle for giving biblically is 10%. That's a great starting, but let me say this. I want to be very clear. It's a principle gathered from the Old Testament. You cannot put it as law in the new. 
You cannot legitimately take this Bible and pin someone down and say, unless you're giving 10%, you're sinning. You can't do that. That's not, that's not with integrity with God's word. You can't hold someone down and put a percentage on their forehead and say, unless you're doing that again, then you are sinning against God. That's not fair. That's not biblical. That's not right. But there's principles of generosity, the principles of stewardship, the principles of sacrifice. So if you look at the New Testament, you see the examples of giving in the New Testament. The actual examples of giving are way beyond 10%. They're examples of extreme generosity. There's the principles too of this. How do I know if I'm giving generously? Well, is my giving sacrificial? We should give to the kingdom of God, which is all about the reality of uh, eternal treasures in heaven to the point where it hurts, right? So what does that mean? Well, if we're giving out of our abundance, that doesn't cost us anything. It's just out of leftovers, whatever it is. That's just anyone can do that. That doesn't cost us anything. We should be giving to the point, I could do this, but instead I'm giving to the work of the Lord because I value it so much in that way. Does your giving hurt? I think biblically it's got to hurt on some level. Of course, is your giving generous? Is there a... a and evidence of generosity coming from how we give and support the work of God across this world. Is your giving cheerful? That's very important too. It's very important to the Lord. Why? Because it's the heart. Because you love the gospel, because you love Jesus, it's not like, fine, I'll do it, and you're so like grumpy and angry about it. It's like, no, 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 this is what life is really about. And so you give cheerfully. Okay, so I... I read this passage in my God time yesterday, yesterday morning. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I got to bring this to the people this weekend. So I brought it in. And this is the story of Cornelius. And the angel shows up to Cornelius. He's about to go find Peter for the first time and see the Gentiles are being reached to, okay? But notice when the angel finds Cornelius. It says that Cornelius was a devout man, a worshiper of God or feared the Lord. And he was praying and giving alms, okay? Here's what the angel says of why Cornelius was heard and what made him stand out among other people. And the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms, alms, um, giving, giving to the poor, the support of the work of God, again, around him, your prayers and your alms, this is awesome, have ascended as a memorial before God. Just being said right here, there's Cornelius going around and trying to be faithful to the Lord and the best he knows how. He is giving of his life in generosity. He is praying and both of these things act as they are ascending up to God. I just love the, I love the language here. It's rising up in the nostrils of God or in the eyes of God as a memorial, as an offering, and it reaches the Lord. And the Lord's like, there's someone I can work with. Let's go to him. When you and I are giving in the offering bag or offering plate, whatever, when we're giving an offering to the Lord, you gotta understand in some way, this is, this is ascending to the Lord as a memorial before him, as an offering of praise. Don't you see? It's worship. So much more than dropping a couple of coins in and moving on. In some form, in some way, it's rising up to the Lord himself. And he's like, oh, that is sweet. Look at how my people are valuing the kingdom of the Lord and how they are giving to the work, the work of my son, and demonstrating the fragrance and the reality of their heart, right? Jim Elliott, he said, 
He said this, he said, I love this quote, we used it lots of times, let's hear it again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, that, 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 that's a kingdom mentality right here. An earthly mentality flips that. I wanna keep everything for myself and give nothing because I really don't understand what's going on, but I just wanna make it for, my, for myself. So loved ones, let us be wise. Let us be wise. You know what the Lord's doing today? He's doing this. He's going out of his way to show you his heart for the generous heart. Why? Because your treasure ultimately equals your heart. Here's the bottom line right now. Would God look at you right now? Would he look at us? Would he look at you right now? And would he say, based on how we're giving, would he say to you from the text today, you are robbing me? Would he look down upon your life and your giving right now? And would he say, you're actually robbing me? What I've entrusted to you, my child, it's all mine. I have allowed you to be a steward of this and it's to be stewarded for the kingdom of the Lord. You are robbing me. Now he says it with conviction, but he says it with grace and love. But I think he says it, right? Because he's like, are you living for the world or are you living for me, he says. Are you kingdom of self? Are you kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I have your heart, he asks, or not so much? Because where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Again, you cannot serve both God and money. Are you serving money or are you serving God? It's one or the other. It's not both. See why this message is so critical today? It's getting to so much of the core of where the church needs to be to see the gospel advance across this world. You know, and on that note too, um, as elders... We want you to know that we are thinking a lot about our culture, our spiritual climate, and we're also thinking a lot and praying a lot about the opportunity that is before us. We think that God has uniquely placed us in a situation of unusual opportunity and urgency and expectancy. You know, we're looking at our situation as a church right now, and we're considering the reality of the opposition that is before us, the opposition that is ahead of us, just seeming where everything seems to be going, whether it's, again, in society and culture, government, and the opposition seems to be growing and pretty clear. But I, in the Bible, reading through Acts right now too, it's always where there's opposition, there's opportunity, always. In the midst of the most difficult times, the opportunity to be used of the Lord. It's amazing how that goes. So as elders, we're really praying about this. And one of the things that we started to think and pray about is this, is we started to think and pray about if we are called by God to seek to eliminate the debt of our church, the debt from building this building. There's no crisis. God has been very faithful. It's a sound situation but what would happen if God led us to say, we're gonna call upon ourselves and the people to seek to get rid of the dead in this building for a number of reasons. Let me listen for you. Well, due to the uncertainty of times, who knows what's gonna happen five years from now? Charitable status, the reality again of what's happening. You stand for what we stand for based on God's word right now and you'd hold this theology and you put it in the face of culture and trust me, that's not making us have favor with the people and with the society we live in. And yet we must obey God, not men. We don't know what's gonna happen. Things are happening so fast. 
What about the incredible opportunity we have without debt? Again, freeing up resources to help other churches like Harvest Braille and Romania. Do you understand how we're being used in that situation that they have a church? That church building is going to impact Braille. It's going to impact Romania. It's going to impact countries surrounding them in Romania because they have the opportunity to impact and plant churches crossing their borders and building up the church of Jesus Christ. And we have had a massive privilege and opportunity to be a part of that because of the generosity of God's people. What if we could times that by two, four, six, ten. It's something to consider. And just the opportunity to be a force for the kingdom of God with our church plants, helping them secure things. Do These are all the things we're thinking and praying about. We believe God has positioned us uniquely, possibly for such a time as this. So as elders, where there's, there's no official plans right now at all, we're praying and thinking. Maybe you would Join us in praying and thinking too what the Lord might have us do with this incredible opportunity of stewardship as a church at this time in this place in this way. We'll see. Let's pray about it. Jesus, Jesus wants our hearts. God says here in this passage, he says, return to me soft heart. He says, do not rob me, generous heart. And thirdly, he says this, test me, blessed heart. Test me that you might have a blessed heart Heart, verse 10, okay, so notice here he says, put me to the test, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Notice, if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you, pour down for you a blessing till there's no more need, I will rebuke the devourer. The, the devourer is probably some type of insect, locust, something eating at their crops. He's like, I will rebuke it because he's sovereign so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. As it has been said, this is amazing in verse 10, this is the only place in scripture that God says, test me. The only place, and it's in terms, in the context of generous giving. Really is remarkable, you know. Going back to his character of faithfulness, God looks at us today and he says, test me and see what happens. Do you realize what God is saying to all of us right now? God looks us in the eyes, every single one of us, and he says this to you and me. He says, I dare you, try and outgive me. He is, right in this text today, he's looking at you and me, and he's looking us right in the eyes. He says, I dare you to try and outgive me. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the marriage sermon that the first year of our marriage for Jill and I was one of our most difficult you know, I was thinking about that and one of the reasons it was, because I just admit to you, I think this is one of the years that we were being unfaithful in our giving to the Lord or at least lacking faith. I mean, we gave some for sure, but I found that in the first year of marriage when we had so little, like just scraping by, but we were always trying to find reasons and rationalizing of how to get away with giving little. And I'm telling you the problems it created, the conflict, the lack of peace, the stress, the uncertainty, the relational strife, and eventually the rebuke that came as teaching like this entered into our lives and totally convicted us, and we began to fight for faith. As the Lord said to me, Robbie, at the end of the day, this is an issue of the heart. Do you trust me or do you trust yourself? I, the Lord, do not change. I'm the keeper of all things. I own the cattle. Do you, not, do you not think I can care for you and Jill in this situation of your life? And I remember then we were resolved. We were resolved to make a change. And we had opportunity to give. And I remember writing checks in the amount that for us were insane. 
Like it was insane to think that we'd be starting to give certain amounts. And I remember as the offering plate went by and holding the check in my hand, it was one of these. It was like, you know, like you're kind of like, and you're like, no, no, no. You know, it really, I mean, it really, giving is so fascinating because it's the one place in the scripture God says, test me. So it's the one tangible, most obvious way we can say, okay, God, let's see if you're true to your word. And he tells us to do it. That's the best part. And then so shaking and put it in. And at that moment, our life changed. I started keeping a journal of the provision of God that ended up being nothing short of miraculous. And I'm telling you, I have those journals today. And you look upon the faithfulness and what, what happens to your faith? Grows. What happens to your joy? Look around, this is amazing. Look at what God, the most incredible circumstances, the most unforeseen ways. We would never be the same again and we have never looked back. Every year, trying to give a little bit more. Now, without question, in our passage in our context today, the, the Lord is promising blessing, okay? I want you to see this. I want you to look at verses 10 and 12 because the Lord is guaranteeing to his people, as you give to me, I will bless you, okay? So he says, put me to the test. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven, pour down for you a blessing till there's no more need. I will rebuke the devourer. The fruits of your soil, they shall bear great fruit. The nations will call you blessed and you will be a delight, okay? So you can break down God's promises in Malachi 3, 10 to 12. This is principles, loved ones, we're taking, okay? Principles now from the Old Testament into our new covenant place, okay? Principles of this. God promises for the generous heart. He promises provision. He promises protection. This is what God's promising to us right now. And we're going to hold this up in the New Testament in just a few moments, okay? Notice this principle from this text too. The more the Israelites robbed God, the more they robbed themselves. Make sure you understand that because that's your principle too. Ready? You cannot win by giving less. You will not win by holding back from giving to the king. You think you're winning. You think you're accumulating. You think you're building self-indulgence. You're not winning. I promise you by the very word of God today, this is where wisdom comes in. You are not winning. You might have a nicer car and you might have a bigger house and you might have more debt and you might have all this stuff and better vacations. You're not winning. You're losing. Why? God says so. The more we rob God, the more we rob ourselves. Oh, God, help us to see. So right now, this is a critical moment. Oh, oh, hear that? It's the door. It's wisdom. He wants to talk to you. So wisdom shows up right now. And he says, listen, child of God, don't miss this. Don't miss this. The more generous we are, the more we win. It's a spiritual principle that will not be thwarted, that cannot be denied. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. You're not the only exception. Wisdom's begging you, don't you see? Are you living for the kingdom or living for self? Is God smarter than you or not? Are the ways of God right or are they wrong? Will you not bow the knee again in your life and understand that the Lord Jesus Christ means what he says, you cannot serve both God and money? Oh, the phone's ringing. It's wisdom. He says, I'm not sure you heard me. Hear it again, right? He says, you gotta hear this. It's one of the massive principles of the Christian life. Because where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. And God promises us today. He says, listen, I promise to bless you as you give. Now, let me be very clear right now. I wholeheartedly reject 
and personally despise the prosperity gospel. Okay? I hate it. The prosperity gospel is a false teaching. It is a false gospel. It is ruining lives and totally built in self-consuming, self-indulgence greed. What the Bible does teach is this, that the generous heart will be the blessed heart. You say, how? How are we blessed as we give? Fundamentally, the answer is as God decides. But blessing will come. Let's go New Testament now to help us out. One of the best texts of this is 2 Corinthians 9, okay? This, this whole context is explicitly in the context of giving financially. Notice what Paul says here, okay? Huge, hugely important. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Time out. God's not fooling around when he says this. This is a spiritual law. This is a principle that will always prove true. You sow sparingly, you are blessed sparingly. No exceptions, no exceptions. In this whole room right now, just tell you what God says. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully in the context of financial giving. Each one, this is more, each one must give as his heart has decided in his heart. Oh, there it is again. Not reluctantly, not because you feel guilty or condemned. No, no, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So see what he says here? The whole premise is, though, when I understand the gospel, when I want to see the kingdom of God advance, when I live for what is in Jesus Christ, well, then this starts to happen. But loved ones, understand, some of you are suffering unnecessarily because you are sowing sparingly. God, te test me, test me, test me and see if you will not reap bountifully. You're like, well, how do we reap bountifully? Again, this happens in many different ways. God promises to provide for us physically what we need. He doesn't promise to make us unnecessarily wealthy. Here's what he promises. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Okay, so here we go. If I sow bountifully, all grace will abound, overflow to me. What's God's grace? God's provision in so many different ways. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Wow, so my giving generously makes all grace to abound that at all sufficiency, all things at all times, I'm abounding in every good work. So how I give impacts my heart, impacts my life, impacts my ministry. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So grace abounds as we give generously. Next slide. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. See what happens here? When you, here's a promise right now, ready, ready? When you give to the work of the kingdom of God, God's like, I'll multiply that seed. I'll multiply your giving that you might what? Not hoard for self, but give more. You see that? This is just what the Bible's saying today. We take it as God's word. When we give generously, more comes in. Those who can be entrusted to give more to the kingdom of God. So you're harvesting supply for God's kingdom over and over again. And notice this, he promises this, the increase of your righteousness. Grace abounds. Righteousness increases. Whatever this ultimately means, it's a good thing. We are increasing in the righteousness of being used of God. Notice, you will be enriched in every way. How will I be enriched? When I give generously. I mean, this is just really good stuff. To be generous in every way, which through us, will produce, notice, 
thanksgiving. So joy, gratitude. So when we give generously, God says, I promise to bless you. I promise to provide for you. I promise to multiply your seed. I promise for grace to abound to you. I promise that righteousness will increase in some way. I promise that you will know thanksgiving and people be thankful for you. This is what God promises to bless in our lives. All those things as God does it will result in extreme blessing, joy, gratitude, peace. It'll just be this incredible. Listen, all that says, but are you giving generously? The failure to give generously, in some way you remove all those things. Just teaching you God's word. So no wonder the Lord says, return to me. How? Be generous. Why? So I will bless you. Now remember, the motivation for giving is not religious, formulaic duty. The motivation is love. We give to the Lord because we are wise. I read this recently. A moving truck full of possessions never follows a hearse. So here's an amazing truth for many here today. Ready? This is, this, is, this is encouraging for me. The quickest way that many of us return to the Lord today, the quickest way we return to the Lord is through a generous heart of giving to the work of God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. So God says, I want your heart. I gotta have your wallet too. Because that's what God wants. He wants your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The quickest way some of us return today is through generous giving. The question is, who do we love more? Do we love more Jesus Christ and his kingdom or do we love ourselves in accumulating more stuff that we think is gonna make us happy? Think about what this all comes down to. It's a gospel. It's a gospel issue. In Jesus Christ, through the gospel, Ephesians 1 says that we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places every spiritual blessing. In Jesus Christ through the gospel, we are promised that we have received an inheritance. Whose inheritance? The inheritance of Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, okay. Time out, time out. Stop, stop. This is a theological moment leading to life change application. If we have received in Jesus Christ every spiritual blessing, if we have received the inheritance of Jesus Christ, that one day very soon we will see in all its glory, all the satisfaction of all eternity lavished upon us. Let me ask you this. What else do you need? I mean, what else do you really need? Technically, you and I need nothing else. We've been given everything we could ever want. It's in Jesus Christ. It's his gospel. This is what's been promised to us. So don't you see when the gospel is properly ascertained and understood, when you have been given everything you've ever wanted, all of a sudden giving away is not such a big deal because you already have everything. But when your heart is for the world, you think you want to accumulate because that's somehow going to be, but you already got everything. You have everything. I have everything in Jesus Christ. So what happens is when you realize in the gospel, you have everything, your hands go from clenched onto stuff to open up and being like, I got it all. Take it. And the ability to be generous because ultimately you understand that you are rooted in the saving grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the world no longer has a hold on you. So loved ones, please listen. And here's maybe one of the most important phrases of this message is this. Ready? Don't be dumb. No, really. Don't be dumb. Okay? Don't, how many believers will get to the end, stand before Jesus Christ? As the Bible says, we will have to give an account with what God has entrusted to us, the parable of the minas and, and elsewhere. We are stewards of what God has given to us, opportunity, resources. Or don't get to the end before the Lord and Jesus will say, what did you do with the five minas I gave to you? And you'll be like, in that moment, you'll be like, oh, I blew it. Don't be that person. So many believers will get to the end. God, I gave you 10. What'd you do with 10? And you're like, 
Oh, I know I should have listened to that sermon. Oh, I knew it. I, you, you get to the end and all of a sudden, all that means nothing. Don't be dumb. Be wise. Treasures on earth equal nothing. Treasures in heaven equal everything. I appeal to you on the counsel of God. I appeal to you by the wisdom of God. I appeal to you by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you. We are very, very foolish when we live and prove that we love this world more than Jesus Christ. Don't be dumb. Love Jesus. Love his kingdom. And watch the blessing flow. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The loved ones, enough with the greed, enough with selfishness, enough with self-indulgence. I love to say sometimes in moments like this, looking at the world and all its lies and saying, in your face, world, take that, you demonic system of lies, in your face, flesh. Enough with the self-indulgence. Why? Because Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Well, a convicting message for sure, but one that finds us at the end clinging again to the grace that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Loved ones, there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. We cling to that truth today as we wrap up this episode and pray that God's grace be with you this day. That's all for today, loved ones. We hope you join us again tomorrow here on Live in the Light.